But right now we're diverting from our normal series in Mark, and we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, once you get there, we'll go ahead and begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 6. So Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 1, it says here, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. When at the first, he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nations, and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day, and, and that we can just take time to reflect and to break off from the busyness of the season, and just to, to really take the time to think about uh, what this is all about. It's all about you. And we thank you, God, that you sent Jesus Christ to earth to be the propitiation for our sins. And we thank you that we can have forgiveness through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we look at uh, this passage in Isaiah, I pray that you'll help your people that are here, that they will have a settled heart of peace. And, and that you'll just help each of us uh, to know that uh, in the end you will make all things right. And Lord, I pray that you just give us a peace of mind and a peace of heart. And Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that's never trusted on you, they do not have peace with God, I pray that today would be the day that they'd be saved. Uh, that they will see their need of Christ. Uh, and that they'll be thankful that you sent him, Lord. I pray that you'll just be with the rest of the service. Help us as we look in your word. Uh, give us what we need. Help us to see what you want us to see. Illuminate the scriptures for us this morning. In your holy and precious name, amen. Well, you know, this in our world today, and I'm sure many of you feel this, a lot of people, they want peace. People are looking for peace all the time. Uh, everybody wants to have peace, whether it's peace in their marriages or peace in their families or peace in the workplace or just world peace. You know, peace from uh, fightings, peace from wars. Uh, and, you know, even subconsciously, we desire to have peace. I read in a book recently uh, where it said that the human brain scans the environment for threats more than five times per second. So even subconsciously, we desire to have peace uh, without even really thinking about it. Uh, but it's interesting that despite the fact that we live in America, which is really uh, a place where we have a lot of physical blessings and we have a lot of security, we're not, we're not, we, don't, we don't see wars out in the street, but despite all that, uh, it's, it's insane to consider the fact that our country has a lot of people that do not have true peace. Very few people in our country, despite the, the blessings that we have and the security that we have, they live without true inner peace. And of course the results of that are broken marriages and split families and hatred and rebellion 
and unrest and, and maybe financial distress and anxiety. And through all of that, we know that the world, they do offer us peace though, don't they? They, they offer peace through drugs or alcohol or uh, immoral relationships or even entertainments. And maybe there are some here that have gone through those avenues in search of peace. But here's what we need to understand. That those means never actually bring any real peace. It really, a lot of times, they just dig a bigger hole. And here's the thing. The world does not hold the answer to true peace at all. In our passage this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, we find somebody who's called the Prince of Peace. And this Prince of Peace is the ultimate giver of peace. He's the ultimate provider of peace. And the peace that we find in this Prince of Peace is unlike any worldly peace. It is a peace that is enduring. It is a peace that can withstand any storm, any trial, and it can conquer any fear that you may have. Now as you sit here this morning, you may feel like those people that we just read about. Specifically in, in verse 1 to 5, in, in this time... The Israelites, they were in a time of darkness. They were in a time of gloom and sadness. You say, well, why is that? Well, they had been invaded by their enemies, the Assyrians. And uh, if you don't know anything about the Assyrians, they were cruel. Uh, their military showed no mercy to people. So these Israelites, they were, they were ruled by evil and oppressive men. And it, so it was a dark, dark and evil time in the Israelites' history. And this led to the Israelites being mistreated and afflicted and harmed. And, you know, these Assyrians, they were used as a means of judgment for the idolatry of the Israelites. Because prior to this, uh, the Israelites, they looked to other gods for help. They, they worshipped other gods. They looked for peace and for strength in other gods, but they only received misery. And let me tell you this, anytime you go outside of the God of heaven for satisfaction, you're only going to end up with misery. But their idolatry had brought them to this place of brokenness. And what we find in chapter 9, verse 1 through 5, they, it brought them to a place of confusion and, and a place of distress and, and frustration and sadness. And I ask you this this morning, have you ever been there? Of course we all have. And it could be that some of us are here now. But this is the good news. Our merciful and our great God promised a great light for those that were in this dark time. Those that were stricken with grief, they were promised to have great joy. Those that were burdened were promised to be set free. Those that were in distress were promised to have relief. Now, the question is though, how? What would change? What would bring such freedom and joy and hope well, according to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, a baby. Look again at verse 6 here. It says, first part there says, For unto us a child is born. This was a prophecy. God here was promising hundreds and hundreds of years in advance that a child would be born and he would be a great light out of Israel. He would uh, take Israel out of bondage. He would take them out of oppression. He would take them out of darkness. And, he, and, and this prophet is saying, through God, he's saying, hey, peace is going to come through a child. Going to come through a baby. Now that's really interesting when you think about it. I mean, consider this for a moment. Could there be anything weaker than a baby? 
There's not going to be a, a mighty man of valor. There's not going to be like a, a Goliath that's going to come and, and lead an army and take over Rome and, and defeat the Assyrians. No. It would just be a baby. However, this baby was not just any baby. It was the Son of God. Look at verse 6 again. It says, For unto us a child is born, and look what it says here, Unto us a son is given. It's not just any child, not just any baby, it was the Son of God. Go back a couple pages to uh, chapter 7, if you would, and look at verse 14. And this will give us some help as well. And look at verse 14 here, of Isaiah 7. It says, it's another prophecy about this Prince of Peace. It says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Hey, listen. God promised way back here in Isaiah Chapter 7 and chapter 9, he promised to send this baby, the Son of God, in a way that only he could. And it was through a virgin. Now some people say, well, you know, the virgin birth, it doesn't matter. Hey, I want you to know it does matter. It does matter. The, the, the virgin birth of this child that is promised here, it matters because it would prove that it was indeed miraculous and therefore it was absolutely of God. Because look, God... He promised to literally make something out of nothing just like he did with this earth. This baby would be the son of God. He would be fully God and fully man at the same time. And I know that may be hard to comprehend, but his physical body would be received from this woman named Mary. But his eternal and holy nature would have already been his from all eternity past. And he would be called Emmanuel, according to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which means God with us. So this little child, this baby, he would come and he would be God in the flesh and he would be called, according to Isaiah 9, 6, he would be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and of course, the Prince of Peace. And God promised through this prophet Isaiah that this child would be conceived of a virgin, he would be God in the flesh, he would bring peace to Israel, and this was the promise of peace and just so you all know, which you already do know, but this child would indeed come, and his name was Jesus Christ. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. I want to read a couple places here. Luke chapter 1. And look at verse 30. We'll read a few areas here. Luke chapter 1 verse 30. It says, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So she was promised that she would have a baby, have this child, even though she was a virgin. And go to chapter 2 and look at verse 5. We see this promise to Mary. 
that was connected to the promise of Isaiah chapter 9. And look at chapter 2 verse 5. I'm sorry, look at verse 4. It says, And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So we see right there in Luke that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, he had indeed been born just as the prophet Isaiah had said. And with his birth came the promise of peace. Look at uh, Luke chapter 2 again. Look at verse 10. Look at what the angels say here. In verse 10 it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And thank God for that. Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and I want you to notice this phrase here, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Peace. This angel said, with this child comes peace. So with the birth of Christ came this promise of peace, and and this peace, of course, it came became available first to the Israelites as promised, but I want you to know this morning that it is available to us today. Now this peace that the angels uh, promised, it was not world peace, as I already mentioned earlier. It was not peace from wars. It was not peace with your neighbors or or peace with your family or peace in the workplace. Uh, This peace exceeds those types of peace. This morning I just want to briefly explain two promises of peace that we have available in Christ. Again, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, but what makes him the Prince of Peace? And I want you to know as we briefly look at this, the, the, the promises of peace are, are promises that we can take to the bank. We can count on it. We can know that we can have this peace. So let's, let's go to Romans chapter 5. The first and foremost uh, promise that we have in this baby, in Jesus Christ, in the Prince of Peace. Uh, first, we have the promise of peace with God. And this is the most important. We can have peace with God. Look at Romans 5. And look at verse 1. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen. One reason why Christ is called the Prince of Peace is because He and only He can bring us peace with God. Only Him. You see, from the moment we were born, we were sinners. We are sinners. We've sinned against God. We have done evil continually. Now you may say, okay, well how do you know this? Well, God, He is the the perfect creator of the universe. And because He is, it is He that sets the standard of morality. It is He that sets the standard of goodness. And He is good. He is perfect. And we know that He gave us the law in the Old Testament. And that, of course, is a measuring stick for our goodness. If you ever want to see how good you are, just go read the Ten Commandments and see how you do. See if you pass the test. And by the way, before you do that, realize that according to God, sin is anything that falls short of perfect according to His standard. 
And just so you know, there's nobody in here and there's no man that's walked the earth other than Jesus Christ himself that could ever obey the Ten Commandments in its, entirely, in its entirety perfectly. There's not. Now you, may, now you may be here and think, well, I'm not that bad. Okay, well, let me ask you this. For example, the Ninth Commandment is, Thou shalt not bear false witness. What does that mean? That means don't lie. Have you ever lied? Maybe when you were a kid, maybe last week, have you ever lied? What about the Tenth Commandment? Thou shalt not covet. I think we've all been there. So if you've even broken one of those commandments, I want you to know this morning, you're doomed. You're doomed because to be guilty of one is to be guilty of them all. So because we've broken God's law, God, again, He's perfect. He's just. So because he's perfect, because he's just, guess what? He has to punish sin. And if he did not punish sin, then guess what? He wouldn't be just. Now you consider, for example, if there were a judge and uh, somebody was to go on trial for murder and the evidence was clear and uh, it was obvious that, some, that this person murdered so-and-so, if that judge just decided, you know what, out of the goodness of my heart, I'm going to let this murderer go free, do you think that people would be celebrating in the streets because it's such a great and kind judge? No. People will be protesting in the streets because that judge is corrupt and something's wrong with him. And again, God, he is just and he is a perfect judge, so he has to punish sin. And the punishment for sin is separation from God. And because of our, our sinfulness, there's literally no way that we could make up for our sins. You know that you cannot do more good to outweigh your bad? You cannot erase your sins by coming to this church. You cannot erase your sins by donating to charity or, or trying to serve God or trying to be kind to people or trying to be a good person. Isaiah also tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. In other words, all the good things that we do are useless before God and it will not eradicate the coming judgments of sin for the sins that we have committed. Now again, going back to that judge. Pick, look, picking up trash on the side of the road is not going to stop you from getting punished for murder. You cannot do enough good to get rid of the punishment of sin. God has to punish sin. And He has to do it justly. And the payment for our sin is death. It's eternal separation from God. It is the wrath of God being poured out in hell. So again, like I said, you're doomed. It sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? It sounds pretty terrible, and it is terrible, but thank God, in His love, He sent this Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. He sent God in the flesh, and listen, I want you to get this. Whether you're saved or not, you, look, this is for you. If you're saved, you can rejoice in this. If you're not, you need to run to Christ. Jesus Christ came to earth as God in the flesh. God sent him to live a perfect and sinless life. And he came and he died. He shed his blood on the cross for our sins. And in doing so, he took the wrath of God that belongs on you. And he took it upon himself. He took your wrath. He took your hell. He took your sins. He took your punishment. He took all of it. And then he was buried. And a tomb for three days. And he rose again from the dead, proving that he was indeed God. So this little baby that was promised in Isaiah chapter 9, and that was born in Luke chapter 2, he would grow up to be the Savior of the world, and because of him, we can have peace with God.
So in order to have peace with God this morning, if you've not done so yet, you need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You need to turn from your sin and turn to Christ. You need to turn from trying to do enough good works to get forgiveness from God and just trust that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for your sins was and is enough. So Christ, He gives us peace with God. This was the reason that Christ came to begin with. So I ask you this morning, do you have peace with God? It's the most important peace that you could have. And if you've not, then... You need to get it. You can be treated as if you've never sinned. That verse in, in Romans 5.1 talks about being justified. It's being treated by God just as if you never had sinned. So this is the promise of peace. And if you do have the promise of, or if you do have the peace with God, again, we should rejoice in what we have because it truly is wonderful. So peace with God is the first type of peace we have with Christ. And let's go to John 14. This will be the last place we turn here. John 14 Because we can have peace with God, therefore in Christ, we can have peace of mind. We can have peace of mind. Look at John 14, and I want to look at verse 27. And Jesus here, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And in verse 27 of John 14, look what it says. First word there, it says peace. Peace I leave with you. And by the way, let me stop there. He's talking about The fact that he leaves peace with those that are his disciples. Those that have trusted on him. Look at it. Peace I leave with you. And it says, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Christ says, hey, I give you peace. It's not the peace that the world gives you. It's not like that temporary peace that uh, is there for a moment and then it's gone and fleeting. No, it's a peace that is steadfast. He, He is offering us a peace that is impossible for the world to give. And when we have peace with God, we absolutely can have peace of mind. You know, you think about the Israelites in Isaiah chapter 9, again, going back to that. You know, reading what they what they would have read, In Isaiah 9, uh, they could have peace of mind knowing that regardless of their current state, that God was going to make all things right. And church, we too can have this peace, but even in a greater sense. Because look, regardless of the darkness that you may feel that you're in right now, you can have peace with God and you can know that nothing's going to take it away. If you are in Christ... You're saved, you have peace with God, you know that tomorrow you could lose everything and you'd still have Christ. If tomorrow you went, just ended up going through a deep and dark valley, you can know that you still have forgiveness from the God of heaven. If everybody were to abandon you, you could know that Christ is still right by your side. If your world were to come crashing down, you could know that Christ would still be holding you up. If you got bad news... That changed your life, you could know that He is still holding you fast. If troubling times come in your life, or death knocks on your door, or if hardship abounds all around you, you can know I still have peace with God, and nothing can change that. And you can have peace of mind. You have been forgiven. You are a child of God. And for this reason, Christ is indeed the Prince of Peace. This is the promise of peace. We can have peace with God. And we can have peace of mind. I have read several times about a missionary named David Brainerd. And I probably mentioned him here before. He was a missionary 
to the Native Americans in the 1700s. And sadly, he died at the young age of 29 uh, due to tuberculosis. And shortly before he died, though, we know that he was saved. He was in Christ. He, he was dying, though, and, uh, at such a young age. But you know what? He still had such incredible peace despite that fact. You know, I'm sure that as a young man, he probably had dreams and hopes and, and things that he wanted to see accomplished in his life. But regardless of all of that, because he was in Christ, because he, he had peace with God, he knew where he stood with God, he knew that he could have peace of mind through it all. And this was his last word. This was David Brainerd's last words. He said this, I shall soon be in glory, soon be with God and his angels. Well, tell me, does that sound like somebody that's afraid? Or does that sound like somebody that has peace of mind? He had the peace of God that passes all understanding. So again, I ask you this morning, do you have peace with God today? And if you do, do you have peace of mind? If you don't have peace with God, get it today, because today is the day that you can know that you have peace with God. Today is the day that you can have security and you can have rest with Jesus Christ. R.C. Sproul said that once we are reconciled to God, the estrangement is over, the hostilities have ended, and peace is sealed for eternity. Thank God for that. So, Consider this morning, again, if you are in Christ, if you do have peace with God, this Christmas, today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and next week, I want to encourage you to allow the peace of God to rule your heart. Rest in His goodness. Rest in His grace. Rest in His love. And look, be grateful and thankful for such a wonderful Savior. Just think about the fact that we have done nothing to deserve Christ, and yet we have Him. It's awesome. It's awesome to know that. Nothing will separate us from the love of God, and that is just something that, that, that can give us absolute peace. Nothing can take us out of His hand. And listen to this. Thank God for this. Hell is a place that you will never know if you're a child of God. Yeah. It's what we deserve, but if we're in Christ, it's something we'll never know. Amen. So be thankful for the peace that you have with God this morning. Dwell on these truths and have peace of mind. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3, it says, I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Is your mind on God? Or are you worried about everything else that's going on around you? You can have peace of mind, but you must look to Him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. We've heard and seen a lot of biblical truth this morning. And maybe you're here this morning and you, you finally realize your need for Jesus Christ. You understand that you are a sinner desperately in need of, of a Savior. Maybe you say, man, I don't have peace with God. I know I'm at odds with God. I know I'm an enemy of God, but this morning I want to be, I want to be His child. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Pastor, I, I want to be saved. I want to, I want to have this peace that you're talking about. And you want somebody to come talk to you. Would you just raise your hand and we can get somebody to come talk to you. They can take the Bible and show you how to be saved. And for those of you that are in Christ, maybe this morning, you need to just put your mind on God. Maybe you're, you've got some things going on in your life. And it's a struggle. It's a battle. 
you're uneasy, you're anxious, hey, just give it to God this morning. You have peace with God. And nothing can change that. Let's just take a few moments to, to pray. You can examine your heart and, and give your fears and your burdens to the Lord. Or maybe you can just thank God for sending His Son. What a great gift. We'll have the piano play through that verse a few times. And then uh, we'll sing a song. But let's take the time to pray this morning.